Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonis here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. We're going to try a new short-form Bulls Beat where I cover one topic and your questions. So any questions you have, feel free to always hit me up on Twitter. I will always try to respond to all questions over the course of the show that I get a chance to. And so today's topic is going to be Jimmy Butler because I think going through a lot of the posts on Real GM, which obviously you know I visit a lot, and hearing people talk about Jimmy Butler, I think there's a few misconceptions about where the Bulls screwed up here. And now I make no defense for the organization about how they've played out this whole situation because obviously the team they have is awful. And obviously all the decisions that got us to this point uh, were not great decisions or else we wouldn't be awful. We would be a much better team. But I don't think Jimmy Butler trade was the primary thing that has caused us to be in this rut. So first I'm going to discuss the trade value that the Bulls got back for Jimmy Butler. If you look at what they got back compared to what Minnesota got back, compared to what Philadelphia got back, because Butler's been traded three times now in three consecutive years, the Bulls actually received the most value and that last time he was traded was a sign-and-trade deal where Philadelphia couldn't come to terms with him and they were forced to trade him. And that's why that one was, you know, I think really, really low value. So looking at that, I don't think the Bulls had an opportunity to trade and get more for Butler. I think that's a shame. Uh, if you look at what the uh, Thunder got for trading Paul George, you kind of feel like Jimmy Butler should have been able to get a lot more in trade. And I think that's a reasonable thought. I think a lot of GMs going back in time, particularly if you're the Boston Celtics, would say, wow, we certainly should have offered more than we did in this Jimmy Butler trade scenario. But I don't think the Bulls realistically could have gotten a whole lot more for Jimmy Butler. I think they did kind of take the max value. So now you go back and you say, should the Bulls have traded Jimmy Butler? And that's a different question. And there's a few things that make this question not quite as obvious an answer as you might think it is. Because with Jimmy Butler's tremendous performance in Miami, and Miami maybe being on the cusp of going to the NBA Finals, I'm sitting here Saturday morning, the Miami Heat at the time of this recording are up 2-0. to zero. We'll see what happens uh, the rest of this series. But at 2-0, you, you feel certainly they have a very uh, high chance of making it to the Finals and, and would be the favorite to make it. I mean, I thought Boston was going to win the series going in, but... And now that the Heat are up 2-0, I'm, I'm going to take the Heat over you know, Boston winning four of the next five games. Uh, anything is possible. I wouldn't be surprised if Boston win, but at this point, I think any reasonable person is going to take uh, the Heat if you spot them two games. I don't think the teams were that far when this thing started. So going with that you know, and saying, wow, obviously Jimmy Butler is a, a superstar right now. He's led the team this far, so of course uh, the Bulls should have kept him instead. But here's why I don't think it's quite so straightforward is that if you go back to the moment in time, the Bulls are trending downwards. You know, Dwayne Wade is a shadow of himself. They don't really have any cap room in the year they trade Jimmy Butler to make a move or do anything. And so without having any space to do anything, you're looking at trying to rebuild this team without much on it. This is a team that was, a, I think it was 41 or 42 wins the year before. I forget, don't have my computer in front of me uh, to look it up. But so this is a team that's on its way down and doesn't really have a lot of room to improve. And if you think of the team that Jimmy Butler demanded to be traded away from, the Minnesota Timberwolves, where he was being coached by a coach he was extremely aligned with and had a better record and made the playoffs in the West than what the Bulls were going to be able to do in that following year or what they did the previous year. And 
I think it is a stretch to assume that under those circumstances, Jimmy Butler is very happy to stay with Chicago. Now, there might be one case where he would be happy to stay with Chicago, and that is if Chicago is willing to open up the Supermax extension for Jimmy Butler, which, if you are unaware, is an extension I believe goes up to 35% of the salary cap, unlike the normal max, which is 30% of the salary cap, and then the uh, seven-year or less max, which is 25% of the salary cap. It's important to know that there's these three different max contracts because they have dramatically different values. So now if you want to keep Jimmy Butler on that super max, you're talking about a deal that's uh, five years and over $200 million uh, for Jimmy Butler that would start uh, this this year with uh, in the 1920 season. And it would run up until the point, I think he's 35 years old. Now, Jimmy Butler has uh, diminished in his performance, at least statistically. His last best statistical year was that final year with the Chicago Bulls. And so if you had Jimmy Butler right now on the first year of a five-year, $205 million deal or whatever it would have ended up being, how confident would you feel about Jimmy Butler bringing value for the rest of that deal? Uh, despite whatever performance he's done, I would be very non-confident that that deal would be a performer. feel very unlikely that we would be able to bring in other pieces around him to make something happen if he were to accept that deal. Now, I think it's pretty obvious that he was going to demand such a deal. I think that's why he was so upset he got traded. It was a huge financial hit to him to not have that deal on the table anymore because once he was traded away from his home team, he was no longer eligible for that Supermax extension. And so that all said and good, you know, clearly still the Bulls' decision to keep Jimmy Butler would have been different from the Heat's of signing him to a 30% max contract instead of the Bulls on a 35%, the Heat only being able to do four years, whereas the Bulls could do five years. Those two things make, you know, kind of a, a difference in how this whole thing plays out in terms of the value of that contract, what you can put around him, what you can do. And so I think if the Bulls did keep Jimmy Butler, uh, either one, he's going to demand out because he just desperately wants to win, or two, he's going to stay, but he's only going to stay because he wants that massive extension, which is now somewhat of a, a dicey deal to keep Butler on, even though he is a very good player. Uh, he's clearly not a top three or four player in the league. And I, I think that Supermax is actually kind of a curse on all these teams because you look at the guys who've signed for that deal, and I don't think it's worked out for any of the teams that have signed someone to that extension. I just don't think it's been a good deal. So uh, from that, that perspective, I think that becomes uh, a little bit of a dicey move to keep him. Now, if you start talking about what could the Bulls do to build around Butler, as I noted, they didn't really have cap room that next year. Uh, they may have had cap room if Butler doesn't uh, opt or demand a trade uh, that following year and, and he stays. They may have had cap room in two years, so they could have cleared the deck, and they would have had to have signed Jimmy Butler and someone else, and they may have been able to bring in another big-name player uh, in, in that, that second year, but then uh, they would have had somewhat limited draft resources. You would have had to have you know, made sure you cleaned out the roster. And so going back to this, where I think the real mistake around where the Bulls were building, I mean, there are several. The biggest one is the Doug McDermott trade. Now, if you envision a future where the Bulls had uh, Josef Nurkic and Gary Harris as young pieces around Butler, and then Nikola Mirotic is still here. That team all of a sudden has got enough pieces where you're kind of like one or two pieces away. The other thing is, what the Bulls did in that year, and I understand why, because there was immense pressure to do it, they signed Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo to these not massive, massive deals. They're both two years short term. Rondo's deal actually ended up being totally fine. Wade's deal kind of killed them because uh, they got rid of him after one year, and if they could have 
just had that salary off the books and had that money the next year, they may have been able to do something a little bit more exciting in terms of bringing talent around Butler. Now, that year was a terrible year. That was the year there was the giant cap spike. There was no one in free agency. If you listen to the Dunkdown podcast, one of my personal favorites, they always talk about the sour 16s, uh, all the contracts that were signed in 2016, which basically all became just god-awful, god-awful deals. The Bulls actually got burned by this far less than almost all teams in the league because they went so short on years. And so that was actually smart thinking on their part, which would have been even smarter thinking was just to punt all together and wait a year. The Bulls compounded this mistake the next year by signing uh, Cristiano Felicio to a long deal at market rates that were set in 2016 without realizing that all the teams were kind of out of money. And so they paid him on a 2016-like deal without seeing how the market developed in 2017. Had they just waited like a week and a half, they would have realized there's no reason to sign this guy to this amount of money. Now, Felicio looked like he might become a decent player, and he was probably someone they wanted to keep. And they probably could have kept him for like $3 million at like two years, you know, maybe two years, $6 million total, something like that, had they just waited and saw how the market was going to play out. And now it's also on Felicio for basically completely falling out the, off the shelf, giving up, dropping the rope, whatever descript, description you want to use. I mean, this was a guy who looked like he might have some potential and then just did absolutely nothing, just got fat and out of shape and contributed nothing for the next, you know, X years. So that that is really a larger problem there on him. But they wouldn't have paid nearly so much had they just waited and saw like, wow, the market just isn't in the same place. And so mistiming the 2016 market, not really looking ahead and doing a lot of analytical analysis on the salary cap where it go, what the free agent market would look like in the following year, uh, making that bad, bad trade for Doug McDermott, which I think everyone hated on draft day. I mean, I remember on draft day at my draft party, we were all thinking we could have kept those guys. Those were the moves that actually limited the Bulls to not being able to have the resources to do anything around Jimmy Butler and then make it more reasonable for them to try and build something around them. Had they not screwed up these moves, keeping Butler would have actually been something they could have easily done and they would have had a really great rebuild uh, going on into uh, Butler's prime and they could have built a team similar to what Miami has done. But instead, they had a bare cupboard because of these other bad trades that they made. Now, uh, the other thing around Jimmy Butler, besides you know, kind of screwing up these trades, screwing up free agency, and uh, not knowing uh, how to do things, is if you do trade him, so you got Zach Levine, you got Larry Markkinen, you got Chris Dunn, you've got a bunch of now kind of young pieces here, is they traded him, and then they thought, we can win right away. And they didn't commit to tanking. You know, they made the trade for Otto Porter, basically saying, we're not going to get anyone in free agency anyway. And that might be true. I don't know that the Porter trade is really hurting us in any big way. But had you just tanked, had you just said, yep, all right, we, we traded, we're going to go young, we're going to let these guys grow, we're going to let them develop and do whatever, and we're just going to be really bad, you might be sitting here with Luka Doncic on this team right now. You might be sitting here with Trey Young, and you might be sitting here with Jaron Jackson Jr., now, if you had one of those guys, in addition to the guys we have, instead of Wendell Carter Jr., whom I liked in the draft and I thought was going to be a good player and still might be a good player if he's able to stay healthy and if he's able to put some time together, it's one thing, we'll get to him in a second, but if you had one of these other guys right now, you'd probably feel a whole lot better about the Bulls rebuild, wouldn't you? You'd feel a whole lot more solid about what the Bulls could do with one of those guys added onto our core instead of... Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. And particularly if you had Luka Doncic, you wouldn't be crying about the Jimmy Butler trade at all right now. If you had tanked and you had gotten Doncic and you had him paired with 
Levine and Lowry and maybe not all those guys would work out and you'd have to move some, but you would feel amazingly good about what happened there because the Bulls went in this rebuild. So the other part of this thing where the Bulls failed is they didn't commit. They said, we're going to go young. We're going to be bad, but they didn't commit. They tried to get good and they ended up tanking too late in the process. And they were really only one pick away from being able to have the number two pick in the draft. Now, whether they would have taken Marvin uh, Bagley or whether they would have taken Luka Doncic, who knows? I'm not in the Bulls draft room. So maybe if they had the number two pick, which Sacramento would have getting, maybe if they had that pick, they still would have screwed it up. You know, I mean, obviously all the draft boards had, uh, had Bagley as the number two guy. But you could have had something really happening there if the Bulls had, had gone in hard on that tank. I mean, even if you were three, four, or five, you would have been really ecstatic. Uh, with your return, I think, right now. And so that is the other problem, is like you didn't quite pick a lane and you didn't say we're going to go all in. Now, moving forward, I think it's a little bit different discussion. We've all seen how the draft lottery odds are just crazy right now. And so being really bad uh, does not give you a really great chance at a high pick. I hate the new lottery system. Uh, The fact that they draw one through four instead of just one through three and the fact that they've made these odds so crazy uh, means that it's it's highly unlikely you could be the worst team in the league and you're like 50-50 to pick fifth. And, you know, there's just a huge, huge drop-off by the time you get to five. And so I, I think that is one of the things that's made this uh, much, much more challenging for very bad teams to get that top talent. So I'm not sure I'd go all in on tanking with the current lottery system the way it is. You know, I think now your odds, even if you're seventh best, which is the Bulls were last year and moved up to four this year, you know, we've already seen that play out in our favor. But I think now the odds are a little different. Now, if I could go back in time and say, we're going to trade Jimmy Butler, I would be looking, how can I get as many draft assets as I can in these drafts coming up? And how can I be young, bad, and get a lot of picks and then try and put something together and put together, uh, try to put a bunch of young pieces together and then see what I had. You know, the Bulls didn't really do that. They kind of, they didn't acquire extra picks. They didn't go all in on making their pick as good as it can be. And so if you're going to go young like this, you got to do something more similar to what the Oklahoma City Thunder did. Now, granted, they were blessed by Houston just making one of the dumbest trades possible, moving Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, which I thought was insanity when it was made. And then to give up all of those picks and pick swaps on top of it was crazy. They uh, moved Paul George, which I thought was a great move from their perspective. I've never thought Paul George was that great of a player. Uh, Obviously, he had a rough postseason this time. And obviously he was depressed in the bubble going through some mental stuff. And I'm not going to mock him for that. I think he's a better player than he showed in this bubble situation. But I never thought he was a superstar. And to get so much uh, draft capital for him because the Clippers needed to make an all-in move to get him and Kawhi, you know, I think that's a great situation. The Bulls weren't going to be able to do that. They didn't have two players of that caliber that were going to demand get so much back in trade. But they needed to try to do things like that. They needed to try and get as much draft capital as they could. If they could have gotten any extra draft picks, you know, they should have been looking to make moves like that, bring in more capital, bring in a, a big young core, and then see what you can do around those players. But they didn't do that. And so if you look at like how this whole thing played out, The Bulls obviously being terrible, obviously getting rid of their old management, bringing in new management, being in a really lousy situation. And I think right now their situation is worse than most people do. I'm not confident in any of their young talent. You know, Markkanen is going to be due for an extension. So I think he's worth almost nothing on the trade market. Levine only has two years of control left. And then he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And even if you like Levine, whom I know is polarizing, Uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to be set at a new market value and a market that generally overpays offense. I think he's going to get a contract that's worth more than he's worth. So I'm not 
not excited about how long you can keep Levine. But ignoring that, I'm not excited about him being a number one player. Kobe White looks like he might be a fine player, but I don't think he's going to be a superstar. And Wendell Carter, I was excited about him being you know, an Al Horford type career guy. And hopefully he can still do that if he gets his health together and comes into camp in shape. He was really out of shape last year, and I thought that was was very poor and has made me a little bit down on him. He's really got to prove himself athletically that he can come into camp in pristine shape. But the Bulls don't have like a lot of great assets right now. They don't have extra draft picks. They don't have like anyone to build around. And they don't have like tons of cap room. I mean, they're not like in, they don't have any awful contracts, but they really don't have anywhere. They're just kind of like a bad team without a lot of anything they can do. And so you've ended up in this this situation, which is about as bad as you can be. I mean, if you had to trade futures, the Bulls' future with any other team in the league, how many would you take uh, ahead of Chicago? Like 20, 25? I mean, like it, it's like a lot. Like there's there's almost no one you'd say, wow, they're even worse off than the Bulls. There's like maybe like five or six teams that are in that boat. So uh, the Bulls really aren't in great shape. So this isn't a defense about what management has done, which has been awful. But it is to point out that trading Jimmy Butler wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem was they were forced into a situation where trading him actually kind of made sense because of all of these other draft mistakes they made and free agent money mistakes they made. And then when they did trade him, they didn't trade him for as many picks as they could. They tried to get current talent back. And maybe that was the best they could do. I don't know that they could have done better. But then with the the amount of capital they did get back and the players they did get back, they didn't go all in on trying to get more draft capital, more draft picks, and make something happen. And so by not picking a lane, by putting themselves in this position where trading Butler was was maybe a good idea, like they screwed up badly, by not maximizing what they could do after the trade in terms of getting value in the future, they screwed up badly. And so those are the areas where the Bulls really messed this whole thing up and didn't come out of this with a proper rebuild out of the Derrick Rose era, which they easily could have with a, with a couple different moves. And some of those were ones that I think the common fan would have telegraphed ahead of time, particularly that Doug McDermott trade. Every single person in my draft party, and there was about 40 of us there, save one, uh, you know, see Red Fred, save him. Everyone else was like, this is a god-awful move. We should have just kept the two guys that Denver had. I so wish we had those guys instead. I'd have been ecstatic about that draft. So all of us thought like, man, I would have taken those two guys and just been thrilled if the Bulls had just done that. This whole thing may have been avoided and we might be in a position similar to Miami right now. Instead, we're about as bad as it can be and that's just the way it goes. But don't necessarily think back like, oh my goodness, we should have kept Jimmy Butler because if we did, uh, because of all these other bad moves, it still wouldn't have worked out well for Chicago. We'd have probably been a sub-40 win team. Butler probably would have demanded out, or he'd be stuck here on this massive, massive deal that would look really, really bad. So I don't think there was a future here that would have been positive with Jimmy Butler based on all the other mistakes the Bulls made. Hopefully, Arturis Konisovas will do a better job building in the future. Hopefully, we'll get someone good in this draft, even though it's just a wild, wild draft with not a lot of prospects that have certainty to them, a lot of uncertainty, but hopefully we come out of this with something we can build around. And that'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. I might even talk to you guys tomorrow or the next day.